If your toddler has been diagnosed with autism or is waiting for a diagnosis, you're going to want to pay attention for the next 60 seconds. Happy Ladders is parent-led early autism therapy that empowers you, the parent, to teach your toddler essential developmental skills through play. Studies have shown that the parent-led model is highly effective while eliminating frustration over long wait lists or the worry about losing precious developmental time, all without the disruption of people coming into your home. Happy Ladders includes activities that target 150 essential developmental skills every toddler needs, as well as assessments in four different developmental areas. There's also an exclusive community of parents just like you and professional coaching to ensure success for both you and your toddler. To learn more, get a free trial, and take advantage of an exclusive limited-time offer for my listeners, visit happyladders.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-L-A-D-D-E-R-S. Use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save 50% off the monthly membership. Plus, get a free one-on-one session as well as access to the Tantrums and Meltdown mini course. This is a limited time offer, so act now. If your toddler has been diagnosed with autism or is waiting for a diagnosis, you're going to want to pay attention for the next 60 seconds. Happy Ladders is parent-led early autism therapy that empowers you, the parent, to teach your toddler essential developmental skills through play. Studies have shown that the parent-led model is highly effective while eliminating frustration over long wait lists or the worry about losing precious developmental time, all without the disruption of people coming into your home. Happy Ladders includes activities that target 150 essential developmental skills every toddler needs, as well as assessments in four different developmental areas. There's also an exclusive community of parents just like you and professional coaching to ensure success for both you and your toddler. To learn more, get a free trial, and take advantage of an exclusive limited-time offer for my listeners, visit happyladders.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-L-A-D-D-E-R-S. Use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save 50% off the monthly membership. Plus, get a free one-on-one session as well as access to the Tantrums and Meltdown mini course. This is a limited-time offer, so act now. Hey, what's up, folks? My name is Rob Gorski, and you're listening to the Autism Dad Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. You guys are awesome. Uh, I really appreciate you. And oh, oh, oh. Uh, on the topic of you guys being awesome, uh, the podcast has grown 1100% since this time last year. And I have you guys to thank for that. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. I, I truly appreciate it. All the feedback, the love, the support, all the listens and downloads and shares and subscriptions. I'm just blown away, guys. Thank you so much. Um, I will do my best to continue to provide content that is worth listening to. So thank you. Next. I want to kind of touch base a little bit on what my plans are for season four. So as we go into season four, um, I want to kind of pick up where I left off on season three. Um, I'm interviewing special needs parents, but I'm, but I'm doing it in a way to try and replicate the experience you have when you like you bump into somebody at the grocery store and you discover that you're both special needs parents and you have a conversation and you learn about each other's lives and you kind of get to know them and you, you realize that you have a lot in common and that you're not alone, and that there is someone in that place in that moment who understands what you're going through. And I'm trying to reproduce that as best I can via the podcast, right? So uh, I have parents come on, I vet them briefly just so that I know that they are who they say they are, and that's it. And then I have a conversation with them, just like we would if we bumped into each other at the grocery store, get to know them, talk about their journey, um, you know, share stories, and, and it's a really cool experience. I have found it very validating, I guess, in a lot of ways, because it, it helps me to remember that I'm not alone. And I've heard from a lot of you guys, the feedback that I've got uh, is that you guys 
are reminded that you're not alone. You like hearing other people's stories and their journeys. And it's just a reminder that there's people out there that get it, uh, that you're part of a, a larger community and, and we're all, um, you know, moving, you know, working towards the same end. We love our kids and we want what's best for them. And our experiences may differ a little bit, but our, our, our goals are the same. And it's just a very powerful experience. And so, uh, as, as we kind of ease into season four, that's kind of the direction that I'm going to take uh, for right now. And this week I have Sasha Muller. He is an autism dad, the autism dads. I'm telling you what, like they are coming out of the woodwork right now. And I think that is amazing. Uh, dads need to talk. They need to have a voice. We need to listen and we need to hear them. I think it's encouraging to hear from other dads. Uh, I think that it helps to promote emotional health and well-being. Just just being able to to vent or share your story or be comfortable enough to talk about your feelings, uh, it's it's just incredible. And I'm so excited uh, to get into these these interviews with with the dads. I love you, moms too. You guys are awesome. It just dads don't don't really talk, and so when you get a chance to to hear about a journey from their perspective, it's just a really interesting experience. And, uh, and so, uh, like I said, we have Sasha Muller on today. I don't know a whole lot about him other than he's an autism dad. We're going to have an awesome conversation. I will tell you guys that these are all pre-recorded, uh, interviews. I've said that before. There were some technical issues, uh, this time, there were connectivity issues. I record locally, uh, in my studio, but it's via an internet connection to the other person. And if there's a if there's bandwidth issues on their end or my end or whatever, it can, it can kind of garble, uh, the, the audio. And so I'm, I'm not super thrilled with the audio quality uh, of this one, but it's a really cool conversation. Uh, Sasha is an awesome guy and a great dad. And, and I really enjoyed getting to know him. I hope that you guys benefit from this conversation as much as I did. So, uh, stay tuned. We will be right back after this quick commercial break. Don't go anywhere. Uh, and we're back and I have, uh, Sasha Moeller with me here today, and we're just going to have a conversation kind of parent to parent and, uh, kind of get to know him a little bit and see if we can sort of navigate some of the technical issues that are, uh, hitting both sides of this conversation at the moment. But, uh, Sasha, thank you very much for taking the time to come on the show. It is absolutely my pleasure. I'm honored to be able to do it. Oh, well, thank you very much. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Um, I'm here at this place because I'm the parent of uh, two children, uh, one who has uh, a, an autism spectrum diagnosis mm-hmm. um, that I, um, that both me and my wife feel like would be uh, uh, EDA, the uh, pathological demand avoidance, if that was a thing in the U.S. And my other son is, um, has um, exceptionalities as well, but they're not, um, diagnosed beyond uh, anxiety so um, uh, and I um, and, and you know about me personally um, I've been working from home uh, you know I, I work in the world of business and I've been working from home for uh, the last 12 months or so or, or 10 months actually and um, that as as you well know has some wonderful things about it and lots and lots of challenges. And, uh, I, I do miss, um, the, uh, the, the separation, you know, I, I do still have contact obviously with my, my coworkers, but I, I miss the, the sort of the segmented work life, home life. 
Yeah, we, uh, gosh, it's been, I don't even know. I have to look at my phone when it boots up. I have a, I have a widget on my phone. that keeps track of our lockdown days. Cause I have just lost track. Uh, March 5th was our first day because my youngest was diagnosed with influenza B. And so we went on, we had to go on lockdown for that. Uh, and then COVID hit and my oldest is immunocompromised. So it's been a long, I don't know, it's like 315 days or something like that. I don't remember the math. That's why I have a widget to help remind me. Um, what, uh, well, I guess so. So COVID has, well, I guess where, where are you at? I'm in, um, in Minnesota, right? Minneapolis. Okay. Um, how has, how, how's everything going as far as COVID goes where you guys are at? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's going okay. Um, I, um, I was hit with the virus pretty early on. Oh, you were? Yeah. And, um, well, we, we are nearly positive. There was no testing at the time. Mm -hmm. This was April. Um, I, we went, I stopped going to the office around March 12th or 13th. And, um, my wife shortly before that stopped her, shortly after that stopped her work travel. Um, and she, she travels a lot for work. And so we, I think at this point, we think that she brought it back from Seattle. Um, this is like when things were happening there. Um, and when it was all in the news. And so I had what I would consider a, uh, a mild case. Uh -huh. It was probably you know, 24 to 48 hours of real intense illness. And then it sort of um, uh, waned a, a bit over the next few days. And it would, have, it would be cyclical right around 5 p.m. I would feel the worst. I've, um, I've heard and, that. Uh, yeah. How it kind of hits in waves. Yeah. And so I didn't, I didn't, you know, it's interesting. People have so many different um, 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 responses to it or, or symptoms. Um, I didn't have the loss of taste, loss of smell. Um, since then, I've realized that I have a cough that occasionally comes and it's out of nowhere and it's really wheezy. And I've heard uh, other people that have been afflicted with COVID cough the same way in news interviews and whatnot. And I realized that didn't have a wheezy cough before that. Mm -hmm. So it, it comes from that. Um, and I feel like I'm, I've, I've never been in the best shape. Um, this type, this time of year, I tend to, to put a lot of um, uh, physical stress on myself because I'm either snow shoveling or I'm, I'm trying to drag a sled across the lake to go fishing. Mm -hmm. And now when I, when I wind myself in that area, um, it gets really, really, it's, I get wheezy, which is new. Mm -hmm. Um, and, it, and as far as it, you know, it's it's bad here. Like currently, like uh, uh, everywhere else, we um, we just recently lost uh, a coworker. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I I am too. Appreciate that. It's um um it it's just it's just been really hard. Um, but uh, but you know we're we're trying to do what we can to isolate ourselves. We have family members that are. That are at risk if they get it, that they would be in, in bad shape. It's scary. Well, how old? How old is your son? Um. So my my oldest 
Um, the one who was diagnosed on the spectrum is, um, he's 15. Okay. And um, my youngest is 12. And he's the one, he's probably more affected um, by isolation and quarantining than my youngest. My youngest is, is uh, you know, if we don't push him, he can be an extreme introvert. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, he's, he's even said, COVID's perfect for me because I, I just love hanging out at home. Um, but but my my oldest has found um, a very niche uh, community. He's he's really into uh, gaming, D and D and Warhammer and mm-hmm. things like that. And so um, for you know being on the spectrum, he's 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 very uh, outgoing mm-hmm. and social. Um, and so it's we we tried to make as many inroads in, in that as we can to do it virtually for him luckily a lot of the games exist electronically have what's like how are you guys handling school um we have the let's see with him uh when the weather was warm we had the option of it was almost all virtual with uh one day a week uh sort of at the school or i should say near the school it was all it was an outdoor elective Mm-hmm. basically to get the kids together um, in, a, in a physically distant way um, but that they could still have the social interactions that children need. Right. So he did that a few times, but he's, he's um, in addition to autism, he has uh, severe generalized anxiety. And um, so he, and he's also very knowledgeable about what is going on in the world. And so he doesn't like to put himself out there or, at risk. Yeah. My, uh, my oldest is 20. Oh my gosh. He's going to be 21. What is today? The 15th. Wow. What is today? The 14th. Yep. Yeah. Uh, in four days, he'll be 21. And, uh, he, he is, he has a lot of health issues that have, that have sort of stabilized. I mean, like he needs, um, he gets IVIG infusions twice a week and that sort of, kind of replaces his immune system. Uh, and, and that's, that, that's probably the biggest concern with COVID well, and an asthma. Um, he's, he has epilepsy and, uh, some other kind of rare kind of things that they've not really been able to put a, a definitive label on. So it just kind of been dealing with it. Um, but he is, he's delayed quite a bit. So, so he's about six years old, seven years old in a lot of areas. Um, mm-hmm. He, he doesn't fully grasp, he doesn't really grasp the concept of COVID other than he doesn't want to get it. And, you know, he, he really kind of stresses out about uh, seeing people not wearing masks or, uh, you know, if he sees, you know, he, he sees, I mean, you can't, unless you do a media blackout or like an internet blackout, like there's no way to hide this stuff from, right. from your kids. and he he understands enough to be afraid but not enough to to understand that that we're doing everything that we need to do to completely avoid it uh at this point and um so so he he has a lot of anxiety uh around that um how about your other son how's he doing so you know he's doing he's doing okay and he's um, you know, with, with, 
with him being an introvert um, before COVID, it you know we we were we were we considered ourselves really lucky that he made a, a friend in the neighborhood and they would they would bike around all over the place. He would be, you know, he he would do the kind of things that I remember doing as a child, where you'd just be gone all day. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit you know a little bit scary, but <laughs> but with the phone you can keep track of them. And he hasn't been able to do that, and so you know he he's comfortable with with where he's at um but you know i but we but we wish he'd be able to be out places and luckily um this year i'm really into ice fishing and luckily this year he's um really take, taken it on uh-huh. and has gone out with me um every time i've gone out which is nice too because i usually go with uh one of my closest friends and i don't get to go with him so that's cool yeah my uh my 14 year old was was very introverted prior to covid yeah he never wanted to go anywhere he didn't really want to hang out with anybody he kind of kept to himself a lot some of it was age a lot of it was anxiety and just kind of um some autism related things uh but after being on lockdown for as long as we've been he wants nothing more than to be outside and, you know, hang out with his friends. And it, so it's sort of, it's sort of kind of flipped him around a little bit on, on that, uh, or the pendulum swings the other way now, as far as, as far as that goes. And, uh, you know, he's really having a hard time with, uh, lockdown, you know, but we have to, uh, you know, we have to do what we got to do to stay safe at this point. And, uh, you know, I think there's, I mean, there's, there's always good that comes with things, right? And, and it, it's kind of cool to think that in your son's case, the good that comes out of it is it, is it pulls him out of his shell and makes mm-hmm. him want to be more out there. Yeah. It's been, yeah, it's been, well, I mean, it's been, it's been a journey. Uh, the isolation, I, I think when, when you're kind of a special needs parent, isolation kind of, it's not as much of a culture shock, I think, as it is for people who are going on quarantine or whatever for the first time. Um, but when you, when you aren't doing it, it's, it's different now, I guess, than, than what it was uh, prior. Uh, and it's, I've been alone with my kids for a really long time. <laughs> no other adult contact and my dog. Uh, so it does kind of wear. But uh, anyhow... Uh, what, so your, your oldest is diagnosed on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. How, how was that? How was, well, how old was he when he was diagnosed? It's been relatively recent. So he's 15. Um, and I want to say it was probably around when he was 12. Oh, wow. Yeah. So no, let's see. Let me think about this. He's in ninth grade now. So um, yeah, it was it was maybe eleven. So he was he was at his previous school still, um, and uh, you know it was it was it was in in schooling where something really showed up. So kindergarten was was fine, um, and mostly because he had a really amazing teacher, and then he got to first grade. And he had a more, um, I guess I would call it more traditional teacher that, you know, it's like everybody kind of 
should fit into the same mold, and if mm-hmm. not, push them into that mold. Um, and then we realized we realized something wasn't 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 right. And after kind of kicking around for a few years, um, landed upon um, severe generalized anxiety. Um, yeah, I think that's what it's called. Um, diagnosis, mm-hmm. and and that was that was definitely true. He had he had that going on, um, but then we also did uh, sort of a full panel or a full uh, diagnostic, mm-hmm. uh, and that came back with him being on the spectrum. Um, which, you know, when when you have all the uh, when you have all the pieces there and you put them together, and then somebody says, "Well, this is what it is." you kind of step back and go, you know what? That actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I can totally um, relate to that. Totally yeah. relate to that. <laughs> and, and at the same time, and then you're like, Oh my God, why didn't I see it before? And yep. so it, it, it's hard not to sort of, you know, uh, it's hard not to get caught up in that, in, in that, in that sentiment or that emotion, even of like, had we caught this before his, his, you know, quality of life for those years would have been probably a lot better. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I was saying it's also it's also a challenge because we we do think that he um, fits a lot of the hallmarks of the diagnosis that they use in the UK, uh, which is a relatively recent one, which is pathological demand avoidance. Um, I imagine if it comes to the US, it, they might change the name because it's it, it is a bit of an awkward name, um, and so. You know, so we know that he's on the spectrum. We know that he likely is um, fits fits in that category. And I do I do really like labels because they're they're helpful. But in this case, um, if that diagnosis does fit him, um, there's nothing we can do about it here until it's recognized. Right. Uh, even you know, even with the, the services he gets at school, they just kind of they just kind of look at you and shrug their shoulders. And, and you know, we've got amazing educators that work with him. Can't, you can't treat or you can't accommodate what's not legally recognized. Yeah. I can relate to a lot of what you were saying. Cause my oldest has, I mean, he has a whole, he, he has childhood disintegrative disorder. That's his version of autism that he has. And he developed typically until about four years old. He had all his milestones. And then it was like, we put him to bed one person, he woke up somebody else. Um, like just such a dramatic personality shift that it was, it was like, um, well, it, it was, it, we grieved the loss of him. If that, wow. if that sounds, and I know that sounds dramatic, but like it was, it was so profound, you know, we would, it was like, we actually would think like, it's like someone came down and like swapped him out with a clone, but then didn't put his personality into the clone. And it was, it was like a new, it was very robotic, very, we had to get to know him all over again. Uh, and yeah. that was, that was, that was rough for a long time. Uh, cause he of course doesn't realize anything is different. Uh, but we, we have a, we have a kid who we're having to kind of get to know again for the first time after we've had him for four years. Um, right. but then as you start, as you start finding out new things, it's, you have kind of a macro view when you're dealing with like in the moment. And, and when you can kind of step back and you see the bigger picture, uh, pieces start falling into place and it's like, Oh my God, like now, 
now that that makes sense. You know, you start getting context to things and then you can go back in time and you can think like, well, that explains that. And that explains that now that makes sense. I understand why he was doing things the way he was doing things then. And you can kind of, um, kind of wrap it all up, I guess. Um, but I, I, I've, I don't know. See, he was really, his, his was really early on. All my kids were diagnosed pretty early. Kindergarten, I think was the latest first grade, maybe. Um, but you know, I mean, everybody's, everybody's journey is different. Everybody starts in different places. Uh, there was, I just saw something, uh, ah, came across the feed and it was 71 year old woman was just diagnosed with autism, you know, and she's yeah. lived her entire life, not knowing that she was, was on the auto, uh, autism spectrum. And, and that just kind of blew my mind a little bit. Cause I, like, I don't know how, I don't know how that impacts you when you learn something like that for the first time after an entire lifetime of being who you are. Um, yeah. How, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, sorry. There's the, um, I don't know if you've heard of the, uh, I think she's Australian or maybe New Zealander, the, the comic, the comedian, uh, uh, Hannah Gatsby. Yes. She is, uh, uh, she has autism, um, or is autistic and, um, she um, only uh, was diagnosed, uh, you know, well into her adulthood, like only a few years before she really kind of hit it big as a comic. And it was and, and part of that comes into her, her stand up special uh, for sure. And it's, it's really fascinating because for her, it was like this uh, revelation where all of these uh, these things where she was told that she was broken or wrong or incorrect. He's like, no, I'm just differently wired. And mm-hmm. This is how I feel. It was a, a freeing thing. And I got to imagine for the lady in her 70s, it's got to be a similar, similar yeah. deal. Yeah, that would be, I would think it'd be like a really profound experience. Like, um, kind of, kind of putting things into context, I guess. Because context, I think, is so important. And when you get kind of, when kids or even adults have a lot of things kind of going on, it's hard to, kind of get a focus on what's what. And as you can start putting those pieces in place and you can step back and you can start seeing that picture forming, it just, to me, uh, I'm, I like to know what we're dealing with. So labels don't like labels don't offend me. Um, right. I, I look at it like, I don't say, Hey, you know, autistic kid or something like that. It, it's, it's, uh, I call my kids by their name. I don't, you know, but when there's, when we're having a conversation like we are right now, you know, I'll say, well, he's autistic and he has this and this and this. Um, and, and I think if we didn't have those diagnoses or we didn't, weren't able to identify what they were, uh, his quality of life would be much poorer than it is currently. And, Correct. and so people get bent out of shape about that. And I, I, I guess I don't, uh, never really understood that. Um, yeah, I used to be, um, a classroom teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, at elementary school and that was a conversation i i mo- had multiple times with, with parents in conferences um is just to you know when, when i thought that maybe a student should get uh, evaluated it's just to reassure them that 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 you know we grew up in a system where there was only like two or three total labels and they were all considered very very bad mm-hmm. and 
And I, and I would tell parents just, you know, just kind of forget about that. Like where we are right now is in a system where we have multiple different labels and they're all designed to help your child succeed. Mm. Um, that's why, and that's, that's probably one of the reasons why I am, you know, pro labels, because if, you know, I'm sure that there's mistakes made that if they're applied correctly, it's, it's really done with the intent of helping people be successful. Yeah. And, and, and I guess some people, some people maybe, um, I don't know, there's, uh, there, there's like the, the whole, is your child autistic or does your child have autism kind of debate? And I mean, like I'm neither myself personally. So I just sort of default to whatever my kids would say at some point when they're old enough to decide how they want that to be worded. Uh, I view it as the same thing. I don't view one as disrespectful or, or anything. Uh, it just sort of, however, it kind of flows in the context of, of a conversation or, you know, if I'm writing something, uh, sometimes I say with autism, sometimes I say, uh, autistic, it just sort of, to, to me, it doesn't bother me. Um, someone could say that I'm someone without hair or someone could call me bald. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I've, I, I don't like, to, like, it doesn't matter. Cause it means the same thing to me. Uh, it doesn't change the reality of anything. And, uh, if it's, if it's being directed at me in a, in a respectful way, then I don't take offense to it. If someone's, you know, not being nice, then I would take offense to, no matter how they said it, it's not going to be a pleasant thing. So, uh, I do think that labels are useful kind of like, uh, to, to just to help identify, you know, strengths and weaknesses in, in, in what we can do to help our kids achieve their potential. You know, we want them to be happy and healthy and, um, you know, as, as productive and independent as, as we can help them to, uh, to get in without labels, insurance wouldn't pay for things. There'd be no services. There would be, you know, pulling our hair out. Those of us that have it and, you know, so I don't know. I've never actually had a conversation with somebody about that before. That's, I, I like your take on that. Yeah, and, and we, you know, one of the things that, that I that I that I kind of started with is when I was in when I was getting my teacher training, um, one of the things they talked to us about was uh, sort of people first language. So in their view, it would have been um, someone with autism um, to respect the person or or to identify the person rather than condition. But but I but I I and, and like you, I go back and forth. Um, but I in my brain, I like autistic um because i I don't necessarily see it as a condition Mm -hmm. not um it's not an illness or you know it's 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 being differently uh differently wired Mm -hmm. um and so in in that sense um it it feels less like um, an ism but like i said i do go back and forth because i don't really think about it that much yeah yeah, I uh like all three of my kids are on the spectrum and and I've I've had there there there's fragments across the community where no matter what you say, you're going to offend somebody. And right. and so I gave up I gave up that that game a long time ago and uh sometimes I say autistic, sometimes I say the other. None of it is meant to be uh offensive or derogatory because I love my kids and I wouldn't change them for anything in the world. And uh People just need to, you know, 
get over it, I guess. I don't, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we, we got bigger things going on right now than, than, you know, fighting over semantics, but, uh, how, how, um, how has, are you guys doing remote learning currently? Yep. Yep. Um, entirely remote. Um, my youngest, uh, they go, my, my children go to two different schools and that's, and that's actually one of the things if I may do a little bit of a segue, um, that I had, that I, that I think about a lot is that we, we picked our school, our first school that they were both at together mm-hmm. sort of based on what we thought was a good fit for my oldest. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we spent a lot of energy when, once we realized that there was something going on, spent a lot of energy on him and get this this parental guilt about like, mm. you know, I don't, do I spend enough energy on, on, on the other guy as well? And so, yeah. um, after my oldest switched schools, we thought, well, maybe we should find, also focus on finding a school for my youngest. And so, um, when we found a school that was a really good fit for him, they had, um, the option of, um, for this school year, they had the option of being completely distant or being in the building, but the teachers would not be there. They would have uh, staffers basically as, as minders, I guess, uh, so that to basically provide an option for parents that had to go to work, to work. is kind of how I interpreted it. Um, they are 100% uh, distance both now and both schools are in, in general. Um, but I don't, even if they change that, and even if they, it went up, you know, even if the, the caseload here lightened up a whole lot, I keep them out for as long as humanly possible. And, and really, um, my oldest does a lot better. Um, and, and part of that is that, you know, you have, you have a really good, um, part of that, is that he's in high school now, and his his school is a primarily a project based school, okay. and and in middle school, um, it's a combination of traditional schooling and project based. But in high school, it's one hundred percent project based, and so it's the kind of thing where um, they signed him up for I can't remember some kind of social studies, some kind of history, and because they kind of crammed the history down his throat in middle school or tried to, he was like, I I don't want to take this course, and we were like, well. You know, we weren't aware that he was taking this course, and his his advisor was like, "Oh well, uh, that's fine. We'll we'll just we'll just get these. Basically, as long as they hit the state benchmarks somewhere somehow, then mm-hmm. we're good, and they'll do it through a, a project." Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, so it's it's really cool. So it's it's a combination, I think, of that and um, and just the flexibility of being at home. Where I think being at home works for him. So I I feel like if we have the option once this goes away even more, we'll try to have him learn from home um, at least a few days a week be at school the other times because his his desire to be at school is um, mostly to look out for people that he cares for and that's what he's told us he's like he's got he's got friends that that because he's in the, the special education realm he's got friends and he sees them struggle and he'll you know he's He's brought like you know we'd have like soda pop in the fridge and uh, I just regionalized myself by calling. I was just pop. thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have you know we'd have soda in the fridge and uh, and he would 
he would bring it to school and it, it, was, it was literally, we ended up buying like those little cans because of this. He, he was literally bringing it for a particular friend of his that when he was having a hard time that really helped him. And we're like, oh my God, that's such a sweet, you know, loving thing to do. Like yeah. we'll, we'll buy miniature sprites you want for that. <laughs> wow. That's such so, a, that's a cool thing. Yeah. So there's that aspect where we want him to be there because of the, because of the social interaction, but yeah. also, also I feel like there's some, there's a little bit of pushback that, that should happen when he gets into a situation where it's something that he doesn't want to do or is not entirely comfortable with, because I do see him um, entering the workforce at some point and it might be, it might be a little bit delayed. Um, but um, I, I, I've been really talking to him for years about how there's going to be times if you've got these goals of things you want to do in your life and he does, there's going to be times where you're going to have to do things you don't want to do to get there. And, and I'm not talking about like bad or immoral stuff, but right. like, <laughs> you might not, be, you might not be interested in taking an art class, but you know, if, if you're school, or something, yeah. Hey, then you have to do it. They, I have always, I've always looked at my kids as they're, they're each unique in, in everything that they do, the way that they view the world. It's part of why it's so challenging because I can't do one thing that accommodates everyone. Right. And so if I do this, if I, if I do whatever thing a for my oldest, it's a trigger for the other two. And, and so it, so it's this constant shifting of things. Uh, and, and it, and it, and it is, it is, I just totally lost my train of thought. I could watch it like pulling out of the station and <laughs> it just totally derailed. Oh my God. When that, when that happens to you, do you, um, not losing the train of thought, but when you're having to like do something for one kid that mm-hmm. is the other kid, do you feel yourself like, cause for me, I feel like I end up giving up a huge chunk of me away so that they're both they're both happy yep. to some degree or both, both content anyway. Yep. And I'm like, wow. Okay. So where, like, where do I go to, to give that back? <laughs> that's a good, that's a really good point. One of the things that um, is such a struggle for people and my, myself in general is um, prioritizing myself uh, because on my best day, which I mean, arguably whatever, <laughs> but, uh, I'm not enough to meet the needs of everybody in my house. Um, right. and, and for a long time, like that really, like I, I felt horrible guilt over that because it's like, I'm just not enough. They deserve better. But, but I realized eventually that I'm, I'm human and I'm, I'm sort of tasked with a job that requires superhuman abilities and I can only do so much. And I'm already doing more than what I think most humans could do. And it's not a knock on like other parents. It's, it's just specialties parenting is in a whole other universe of parenting. And, yeah. um, and you know, I, I, I just cut myself slack. Yeah. Um, well, I say that out loud but then I know that I still internalize it and I still oh. struggle with that. 
But I, you know, one of the things that's been helpful to me in that realm is that, that um, I look at the things that as a young adult, a teenager, that I was really grumbly and, and held grudges onto about my parents. Mm-hmm. And I look back and I'm like, you know, they had every intention of success for me and loved me and the mistakes they made were mistakes. They were literally doing the best they can. They did not, they did not set out to, you know, one day go, Hey, I'm going to really go, you know, mess with him today. Was <laughs> That's not, that's not where it comes from. Right. And so that's, that's, you know, that's the thing is like, you're going to, you're going to do your best. Hardly anybody sets out not to not, not to, right. People struggle with, with, with different issues. So, yeah, I, I, I get that. I, I do. It's something you said made me think about like, like other parents and, you know, I have friends that I know like they get home, they'll sit down and, and just like watch TV or, and, or, uh, you know, play video games with their kids. And, you know, I, and not to say that I don't do that, but typically if I'm watching TV for myself, I'm doing it by stealing my sleep. My 14 year old is having, he's, we're having this debate over, he claims he's a night owl. Right. And, and I just keep saying like, I mean, we can call it that if you want to, but you have like your sleep cycles messed up because you're a teenager, you need more sleep, uh, than what most people get. Um, and we need to figure, we, we need to work on sort of resetting that, that cycle. But then as, as, as this power struggle has gone on for the last few months, um, I've begun to recognize that it's not so much, it's not so much that he can't sleep. It's the only time of the day when the house is quiet and mm. he doesn't have his brothers, uh, you know, creating chaos or whatever they do when they bicker back and forth. Um, and he can just sit downstairs and watch one of his shows or he can, uh, you know, work on a game or, or something like that. Um, but that gives him a few hours after his brothers go to bed to kind of give him a little bit of that time. My youngest um, discovered jigsaw puzzles the other day because someone had left one for him. Mm-hmm. And then he said, can we get more? And that was really cool. So it was a cool thing for he and I to do together is, is do these jigsaw puzzles. Then we had one sitting out on the table and uh, I found out, I found that I, I, I typically don't take intentional breaks during my work day, but I end up, you know, going here and there and doing things that basically add up as breaks, or I consider taking my kids to an appointment as, as my cumulative breaks for the week or something like that. <laughs> Having this jigsaw puzzle at the table, every time I walk into the kitchen to get another cup of coffee or refill my water, I would sit there for five minutes and just try to look for a few pieces to put in. And I was, was being a little bit sort of cognizant of the fact that it was actually uh, a peaceful kind of thing to do. Mm-hmm. It was just it was, for a moment, it just took my mind off of everything and right on that accident blockbuster movie, back to the future to movie, pu- movie poster puzzle. Yeah. My, my, my youngest uh, got into puzzles pretty heavily. It was sort of mid lockdown last year. And, uh, a friend of mine, one of my, uh, uh, readers on my blog, uh, wanted to send him some puzzles. So he was, he was getting these puzzles in the mail and, and they started out like he'd, he'd do like 250 piece puzzles and he would just, the way his mind works is it just blows me away because 
he can he can visualize everything and he has kind of a backwards way he does it a different way than I would do it but his way tends to be uh much more successful for him than mine is for me and uh you know we got to the point where he was knocking out 2000 piece puzzles um he he'd do them inside of a of of a week you know and and we would just spend time doing it and it is it's a very peaceful it's kind of a Zen thing, really. I mean, because you can see yourself making progress, and um, yeah, that's really that's that's really cool. Yeah, it's it's one of the weird things that I I remember, you know, when early in parenting, when when the kids were at that age where they would go to bed a lot earlier and you'd find time to do things. I would find I, I went through a short period of, of puzzling phase, and I would find that, that putting together a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle or a five hundred piece was more addictive to me than a video game mm-hmm. because you would just think okay if I just, i'm just gonna get this section done and then i remember like next thing i know it's like 2 a.m like oh god <laughs> well I, I think you know as you're as you're as you're putting the pieces together it's almost sort of like like uh like rem sleep or something because you're you sort of go on autopilot right and then you're just kind of processing things yeah. in your brain and then by the time you kind of like realize like, Oh my God, it's been three hours. <laughs> I didn't even, yeah. you know, it's like driving somewhere and then not remembering the trip. Like, I don't know how right. I got here. <laughs> yeah. We spent one night we spent, he discovered the puzzle and we found that we had a, uh, a wizard of Oz puzzle and we spent three hours one night. And then the next morning we thought we would go get up early ish and go fishing. And we ended up, spending three hours again the next morning and didn't get out of the house till noon. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, there's something, what I've been doing lately is, uh, like I have very little control over the world around me and, and, uh, I have learned to sort of accept that. Right. But I have yeah. this Minecraft realm that I, I always end up letting the kids join it, but I can put everything the way that I want it. And it's kind of like my little happy place. So like if I get really stressed out, I can just go turn that on and I can go plant trees or, you know, I mean, uh-huh. you you can do these things that are very, um, you know, you, you have, you have total control over everything in there and there's nothing you can't fix. Uh, you, you just got to put a block down and you can create and just, and just sort of zone out for a little bit while you're doing that. And then you could step back and just be like, I created this, big thing that only exists, you know, on Xbox live or something, but, um, it is, it's, it's just a kind of a relaxing, uh, thing for me. We haven't done puzzles in a while because he free, he, he got upset cause we put, put this 2000 piece puzzle together and there was one piece missing. Oh no. And we debated like, like we need to get the table back. So we got to do something with the puzzle. <laughs> and then we we're putting away Christmas ornaments this was like six months ago that we lost this piece. We put the puzzle away a long time ago and we were putting away Christmas stuff this year and he found it. Uh, I don't know where it was. It had fallen in a box or something and he found it. He's like, well, we got to put it back together now. And I'm like, hell no, we don't have to put it back together. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like it took us. It was one of those hard ones where like, there's no discernible, like hard shapes in there. It's like a, it's like an ocean scene where there's, everything's almost the same color. And and it was really frust. It was really frustrating for me, uh, and thought of doing that again is not, you know, no. <laughs> high on my priority list right now. But I would do it if it's something we could do together, and that's you know, cool thing. 
Yeah. Um, how, I always ask this wrong uh, because then it becomes a leading question. So has being a special needs parent changed you in any way? Good, bad, indifferent? Um, I'd say um, really on, on sort of a, a bigger level. I mean, I think be good for totally good is the short answer. Um, I'd say it's made me a lot more appreciative and sort of uh, forgiving of, of other people out in the world. You know, mm -hmm. you, with, with most everybody, except the people you're close to, you have these really short interactions. And um, a lot of times, you know, if you have a negative interaction, you know, your brain kind of goes through, or at least mine, oh, that would be, used to be, oh, that person is just a jerk yeah. <laughs> or something like that. But now I think more about, well, they're probably just having a bad day or, you know, they don't intend to, they, they, if they, if they didn't know they were being that way, they probably, they probably don't intend to be that. Mm -hmm. Their life is not giving them what they want right now. And so I, I think um, in, in the biggest sense, it has, it has, it has done that. Um, you know, I, I, it's just, I think that's, that's really how it's changed me. Um, yeah. So, so you've, you found, um, so, so like tolerance and understanding and compassion and patience, uh, I, I, I can, I can, I can relate to that too. You know, I used to be, well, as a stupid kid, I would be judgmental and I would judge people yeah. based on what I saw on the surface and not, uh, it never occurred to me that there might be something else going on. And now. Uh, since my kids and, and having been on the receiving end of that a lot, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know what their story is. I have no idea what's going on. Am I going to assume the kid's just a, a spoiled brat cause he's having a meltdown at the grocery store? Uh, it's been a long time since I've been out to a store, but I'm sure that still happens, right? I mean, kids still have meltdowns at stores. That's still a thing. Uh, instead of just assuming something, you know, I immediately just, oh, you know, I, I've been there. I know what that's like. It sucks. Yeah. They don't need my judgment or, or my dirty looks or, or anything like that. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I always feel like my kids have taught me more than I, than I have been able to teach them because they've, they sort of, I always feel like I've always been a good person, but, but they have brought things out in me that, may not have been as dominant in my life as, as it is currently, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very, very patient with them and it drives people crazy because they don't understand how that happens. Um, but it does it comes kind of at my own expense. I, I spend sanity on, on patience and it's kind of a trade off, I guess. Um, so, so has, has has being uh, a special needs parent has that had an impact on relationships with family or friends or anything like yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, I I grew up in a household where um, it, 
kind of special needs and mental health issues were not sort of recognized as very old school in that sense. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I, you know, I kind of mistakenly really tried to keep a lot of stuff away from my parents as, as, as we were discovering and learning what was going on. Um, I was, I was uh, keeping it from them because I, I thought they would be judgmental and they actually, um, you know, once, once we had the label, and here's the usefulness of labels again, once they had the label, they were able to see uh, my eldest in a whole new light. And they're like, oh, you know, this, 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 is, this is something tangible that I can work with and understand mm-hmm. and maybe learn about and talk to other people about. You know, my, my mom is the type of person where she starts talking to the lady behind the bakery counter at the grocery store, and it's her best friend now. And so if that lady <laughs> would say that she had somebody autistic in her family, my mom, my mom would be like, oh, yeah, well, my grandson is too. And so, so, so that's so that's been uh, really nice. But then you know, there's there's other times where like you know my uh, I can't even remember how it was because I kind of blocked this interaction out. But my sister sent me some email um, shortly. She lives in England, and we haven't we, we had you know we've had one opportunity to visit her, and um, with you know some kind of email about like I don't know how you can parents in a situation like that and it wasn't it wasn't the um you know there's there's that the, the stereotypical oh wow you're such a you know <laughs> you're, you're such a saint for doing that it was more like like it, it was a it felt more vitriolic mm-hmm. and it was surprising coming from her you know so not not and so um um in and and I, i've also had some friends who in the beginning um you could tell they weren't really down with uh with with labels in general too and so um and, and same with the, with a few other family members that have gotten they they have typically come around you know it's funny and i should i should have that conversation with my sister but just because of distance we frankly don't interact that much so i haven't really felt the need to so i i feel really and i also feel really um you know it's really blessed you know, it seems I've talked to so many parents over the last 10 or 15 years and it, and it seems to go, there never seems to be like a happy medium, right? It, it's always either the people in the, either the people in their life are just not understanding or they're judgmental or they're super supportive and they want to learn everything that they can so they can be as supportive as they can. Then you get some who, who like, who mean well, but they try and help in the wrong ways or they help in ways that aren't helpful, I guess. Um, and then you just have people who just disappear from your life because they can't, you know, handle it or they, they don't, they don't buy into, um, an autism diagnosis. They think you're just looking for special treatment or, I mean, there's all kinds right. of people out there. Uh, I'm glad that you, yours has been positive. Yeah. I mean, I, I worry sometimes when we're out in public, you know, um, like with people I don't know, it, you know, what, what, what their interactions are because, because at first glance, you know, he really, and, and even in, in short conversations, he really presents himself as neurotypical mm-hmm. in, in a lot of senses. And uh, that, that I, I worry that something can happen that would affect his safety or something like that. But Do you think he's too, is he too trusting? I think so. Yeah. It, I, I think that would, that would easily happen. And so, I mean, it would happen. Trusting. That, yeah, I think he he could. 
I think that's a concern that we both have is that there's a possibility of him getting taken advantage of to be trusting. We had, uh, you know, people have always asked us, like we've never had respite care in 20 years. And people are always asking like, why don't you ever do respite, you know, respite care? Just there's services that can do it. But like the turnover rate for those people is really high. Right. And so you might get one person today, someone else the next time, someone else the next time. So you, you can never really establish like a relationship with them. And like my son's doctor, specifically with my oldest, like they used to tell us he's the perfect victim because he would never tell you anything that happened. And, and so that really kind of freaked me out. And I'm like, well, Jesus, I, like, I can't, I, I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I mean, you don't want to be overprotective, but then you're not dealing with a, a typical situation. And so you, you, you have to kind of micromanage to, to some extent uh, just to kind of ensure that, that the situations that you allow them to be in, or you, you help them to get into are, are safe and healthy and, and positive. Uh, I think that's a common worry for a lot of parents in, yeah. in this type of situation. Well, I think even, even, I mean, we, we've had experiences where even when it's somebody that you know and that you care for and you trust and love, that when they're, when they're caring for your child and they're not around, that they, since they don't live with them every day, that they forget. Mm-hmm. They might get stuck into, to, they might get stuck into a power struggle or something like that that just spirals out of control because that's how they normally interact with the world. And, um, and, you know, the, the typical, you know, two hours at a time that they, they, they see your child is, is not. It's not enough, enough. to get a. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, and we've had that and that, it, that, that experience is, is a little bit traumatizing, really. Mm-hmm. Because you, you, you know that that person has your back and that it probably wouldn't happen again, mm-hmm. but it's still back there, right? Yeah, because anything you figure anything that happens once, I mean, you don't. Once it happens once, then you you don't you can't live in that realm of thought where well, that's never going to happen, or you know, it's probably not going to be an issue. Uh, yeah, man, it's it's tough. It's so tough to to try and na- especially now trying to navigate everything that's going on in the world around us, trying to uh, not catch COVID. Um, trying to manage remote learning, which is challenging uh, in a lot of cases, and, and and then trying to continue taking on all of the sort of the added challenges that are associated with being a special needs parent. I mean, you know, a lot of kids, you know, I'm hearing from a lot of parents that the remote learning, uh, you know, they're they're lacking a lot of the services and the supports that they would have inside of the school environment, which then impacts uh, people. Um, yeah. you know, so it, it's, it's tough. I feel like if we can survive this, then like we should be like good going forward. Right. All you need to know is beyond this, beyond whatever skills we've picked up is, is how to, uh, hammer, how to hammer some, uh, how to nail some boards to your, uh, windows. windows. That happens. Uh, you know, that's funny. Cause we, when, when, when COVID first, uh, became a concern, uh, you know, I was really careful how I, I brought it to the kids' attention, but I, they needed to know about it because I, there were rules that we needed to establish 
and safety things, and they needed to understand why in order to take it seriously. So I, I decided that we would treat this like a zombie apocalypse. And, uh, you know, they, they don't necessarily grasp the, uh, the virus concept as much as they do the zombie apocalypse, which is crazy, but it's what it is. It's such a cultural thing though. Yeah. 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 So like, and it's very similar. Look, you know, we, we stay away from other people because we assume that everybody you come into contact with is infected. And so you keep social distance, you wear a mask, you do everything you would do if they were a zombie, except maybe run away. But you know, like we, we, uh, safety things in the house. Like what would we do to, if this is a zombie apocalypse, we can't go outside. What kinds of things do we need to bring into the house? What kinds of things do we need for emergencies or food or, you know, water, whatever. And, uh, so we sort of made it like a survival kind of thing. And for them, that's less scary than, uh, a global pandemic. And sometimes we came a little bit too much of a game, but yeah. More concrete in a lot of ways too. Yeah, yeah. They can relate it's, it's to that. Funny. Like I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of, of of zombie lore in general. When I was just as you were saying that, I was thinking like, if, if we're talking about shambling zombies, then six feet's probably an appropriate <laughs> distance too. Um, I mean, like we, my my kids and I used to do one of the things we used to do with Minecraft is we it's something we could all play together. Like they could be on their phone or tablet or whatever, and we could all be in the same place. And we would like stockpile things in peaceful mode and we build up like a fort. And, and then when we thought we were ready, we'd release all the zombies and, <laughs> and then we would have to survive without, you know, kind of like living through a zombie apocalypse. And so in a lot of ways that sort of helped prepare them as weird as that sounds. And it really sounds weird. Um, it sort of prepared them for, for what we were doing now. Cause they, I'm like, okay, so what kinds of things would we do in there that we can do here to, to make you feel safer? Some things are, we're not getting a gun or we're not, you know, no one's carrying around swords or weapons or anything like that, but maybe we have some different things in the first aid kit. Maybe we have, uh, go bags or emergency go bags, or maybe we get walkie talkies. You make sure we have flashlights with batteries and, um, you know, plenty of masks and gloves and hand sanitizer and stuff like, I mean, just, just things that, that we can do to be safe, but incorporated into a con like a context that they understand without being afraid of, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. That's where, that's where learning happens, right? Where yeah. you, you bring it to the context that someone can relate to. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, that's really cool. And, and, you know, we've, we've, we've made those, those comparisons uh, here, but we didn't, quite you know do it in the same way um not not nearly as thoroughly so. well yeah i'm not claiming to have done a good job i'm just simply <laughs> saying <laughs> it's been like well. yeah i yeah this is how i i fumbled through it and and it just it just kind of it's kind of reframing it i guess like look we have to take this seriously guys but let's not think of it as a virus let's think of it as zombies and if you get the virus you turn into a zombie like what do you you know what do you got to do to, to stay safe? What are some common sense things? And, uh, anxiety is a struggle, I think for them a lot. Uh, like you were mentioning with, with your son, but you know, yeah. I, I, so I sort of feel like we could survive this. I, I think life yeah. is going to be, we're going to have a whole new perspective on the other side of this than what we had going into this. A lot of things yeah. that we appreciated 
or didn't appreciate that we appreciate much more now. Yeah. Do you think it's about with, with the kids, it's about focus, like what they're focusing on and sort of changing it to something that's, that's more a distraction. Um, and the reason I, the reason I asked that is that, um, right in the middle of last year, um, well, the, the symptoms showed up much earlier, but in, in, in July, when, when, uh, hospitals and whatnot were opening back up, I got a hip, a total hip replacement. And I, I distinctly recall, um, right before that, you know, my, my mobility was, was, was really, really bad. And I would ask the kids to, help me because we're able to, you know, safely uh, go to the store as long as it's not too crowded and whatnot like that. And I remember distinctly like asking them to come to the store with me and come to Costco where there's like big and heavy, big, heavy things. And they did it and they didn't fight with each other and they were like super helpful. And, and, um, and the reason I brought that up is that my, my oldest did not bring up any anxiety about, COVID, he either either suppressed it or was just so focused on helping me that that um, that it that it didn't come up. That's that's interesting, and and I can I'll relate it to this. When I I think you're right. Um, I used to be a firefighter paramedic uh, until about 15 years ago. Um, I am not a fan of heights, which is wrong career, right? But um, I, I'm, I'm just not a fan of heights. Uh, and we used to do training exercises where you'd have to climb up these, you know, 50 foot ladders and they start out really wide at the bottom. But then by the time you get up to the top, I mean, your hands, you know, uh, you only got enough to grab your hands and you're in full gear with gloves and, and you're breathing air and all this other stuff. And, and I really had a hard time practicing that stuff because I mean, it was scary. Like I would think about all the things that could happen. Um, but, it, but in a real life situation, there's no fear. Like you don't, you don't think about it. You just do what you have to do because it's automatic. And I kind of wonder if that's sort of what you're, you're kind of talking about. Cause like when you're doing it and you don't really have to, or, or, you know, you're safe and whatever you, you, you kind of worry about what could happen, but in the moment, I don't know that you do, you have time to think about it. You just do what you got to do. And that's what anxiety is, right? It's like yeah. an irrational response and, and, and sort of your brain overthinking things. So if you're, if you're in the moment, then anxiety doesn't have a chance to take over as easily. I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think, I think that's a lot of, uh, yeah, I, I think that makes sense. Um, yeah. Cause I don't, I mean, I, I deal with depression more than anxiety, but I do have, I have had anxiety in times where it's gotten really bad, but it it's always happened. You know, it, it always manifests itself. I should say when I stop and sit down yeah, <laughs> and, and have time to think about like things. dead, like dead Get time. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I should say mostly <laughs> There's sometimes where it creeps in otherwise, but yeah. That's, I mean, that, that is, I've been dealing with, I've been dealing with depression since I don't even remember a time when I wasn't. Um, and it's sort of, uh, I look at it as a, as a war, uh, because, you know, there's battles that I lose, there's battles that I win, but at the end of the day, there's always another battle. So if I, if I really, you know, if I lose big time on this one, I know there's another one 
that I can, you know, balance the score or whatever. Um, and yeah, so, so it is, it is, and I do experience a lot of anxiety, um, usually with, in relation to the kids and like what happens if I get infected or what happens if my, my biggest fear is my oldest gets infected and they're, they're already turning people away at hospitals around here. Um, and if they're triaging, uh, patients like survival rates, right. And, and you have two people that need a vent and it's him and someone who's healthier or or someone who doesn't have all of the underlying conditions that he has, where does he fall on that list? You know, like, is he get denied a vent because of, of, you know, the other issues that he has. And, um, that, that generates a lot of anxiety. I think that's a lot of why I have a hard time sleeping at night. Uh, my ex-wife and, and I have, we agreed that like, we're not going to send the kids, the kids live with me full time and we're not going to send the kids back and forth right now because there's high risk people in her house. There's high risk people here. Who the hell knows if you're asymptomatic and, and we just figured it, it's, it's not worth it, but they just, I was telling you before the show started, my kids are gone today. Um, they had been on quarantine for 14 days and we're always on quarantine. So we, we found a window where we could send the kids over for a little bit which is why Emmett hasn't interrupted uh, today for those who are wondering when he's going to pop in. He's not. So (laughs) uh, uh, I really appreciate uh, your time. Do you have, do you have any parting words of advice for parents who are like, I don't know what to do. Sasha, tell me what to do. (laughs) (laughs) Totally Um, not a loaded question, but like, you know, I, I, I would say, um, if it feels like something's not right, listen to your gut. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's where my wife was for a lot of years. And, uh, I don't, I don't know if it's just, if it's me or if it's men or what, but our, our my, my gut wasn't as in tune. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily, you know, um, we have a trusting relationship and when she's, when she says, I think we should get them evaluated. Something doesn't feel right. Um, I'm, you know, I, I don't go, you're crazy. I, I just like pay attention. Okay, yeah, let's 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 do that. Let's I'll, I'll at least follow this thread and see where where it leads to for sure. Um, and then yeah, and I, I think that's that's probably the biggest one. And um, and no matter you know, you know, no matter who your kids are and, and how they are, just just love every minute. Really, it's, just, mm-hmm. it's um, I I don't think I'm gonna regret. Like right now, I'm like, yeah, I'd like to get out and see other people, but I. I don't think I'm going to ever regret the amount of time that we've had in the same house where I can see what they're up to constantly. Mm-hmm. Just enjoy the moment. Thank you. I was going to say have a good weekend, but I guess it'd be a good weekend. I don't even know what day it is. God, it's so terrible. Have a great weekend. Let's go with that. Yeah. yeah. Well, my best to your family and uh, yeah, reach out any, any time. I'm, I'm always, especially talking to dads is awesome. So I really do appreciate that. Uh, it's nice to get to know you. And uh, we'll be in touch. Sounds great. All right, man. Take care. Thanks so much. All right. See you. Bye. Bye. Before I close things out today, I want to take a moment and say thank you to Sasha for taking the time to come on the show and for opening up and sharing his story and his journey and his insights and his feelings. You know, these are, it's so important that dads find a way to do this. I think, Um, you know, we carry around a lot and, and not talking about it, I, I really feel like it's, it's detrimental to, to our abilities 
uh, as, as a father or a husband or a partner or a friend or just a human being. Like we carry this stuff and we don't talk about it. And I just, I really, I really appreciate hearing dads open up and I'm, I'm hoping that, um, you know, listening to Sasha and, and Ray from last season and, and the dads that are, uh, in line currently to be on upcoming episodes that they inspire you to, to open up and, and talk about how you're doing and what you're thinking and how you're feeling and how being a special needs parent has impacted you. I mean, we're all different, but, but there's a lot of commonalities. There's a lot of overlap and we're all human, right? We all have feelings. We all have, um, uh, emotions and we all deal with things. We all struggle. Um, and it's really, it's really comforting to hear from other dads. So, uh, thank you, uh, Sasha for, for doing that. Um, if you're a dad and you're interested in coming on the show, uh, you can, uh, there's a link in the show notes, I think, where you can just contact me and we can go from there, or you can visit me at the autism dad.com and, um, uh, there's a, there's a contact me page where you can, you can send me a message. Um, all my social links are at the top of the page as well. So you can hit me up on Twitter is where I'm most of the time. Um, please subscribe to this podcast. You can listen to it on any one of your favorite podcasting apps. I really appreciate that. If you haven't already done so, please rate it. Um, it really helps me to kind of learn what I'm doing right and wrong. Uh, outside of that, I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Stay safe and I will talk to you next Friday. Thanks. Bye. Autistic kids can sometimes struggle to learn new skills such as riding a bike, reading, or simply having a conversation to a high level of proficiency and automaticity. Brainiac is a brain enhancement program that gets to the root of the problem. It builds stronger brain and body connections that elevate learning capacity within four to six months. Brainiac cross-trains motor movement, visual, auditory, and cognitive thinking connections using fun, interactive video games. Strengthened connections allow kids to learn new skills and perform them automatically with more confidence and greater independence. Brainiac is for homes and schools. Visit canoe.com, that's K-I-N-U-U dot com, and be sure to use the code theautismdata at checkout to save $500. It's a limited time offer and it will expire on May 31st.